Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 2 called Seeing with a Prophetic Eye. So as Isaiah is going through and really dealing with the people of God, he gives them a glimpse into the future to help them to be motivated to live for the present. And I want you to think about that theme as we go through this chapter because it's really a theme that applies to all of us. We can get, all get caught up in the present and, and really lose focus on what we're supposed to be here, uh, what we're supposed to be about as we're here. And so I really believe that this theme is a theme for the church. He will judge Isaiah 2-4 between the nations. He will render decisions for many peoples. It almost is reminiscent of the time of Solomon when people would come from all over and they would come to glean the wisdom of Solomon. It's also reminiscent of the ministry of Moses where people would come and even Moses' father-in-law said, man, it's too much for you. You've got to delegate some of this responsibility. And all of us could say, amen, delegation can be a really good thing, right? But Jesus will be there in Zion, and it appears that the nations will come, and part of the reason that they will come is to glean wisdom from him. He will render decisions, and I think other versions say he will deal with their disputes of many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares. Uh, I think the, the idea of uh, hammering their swords into plowshares has the idea of uh, ho- their hoes or their, uh, it will become a, a, an implement for um, farming instead of war. Their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. And that's because the Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if there was no longer a need for weapons? And I'm not talking about not having a weapon for self-protection, but I'm talking about not needing a weapon because people don't do war anymore. All you need it for now is maybe something to farm with or something like that. You know, they say uh, right now, and this is a a little older statistic, but I think uh, you'll get the point. Right now, there's over 100 wars going on in the world as we sit here tonight. Wars for myriads of reasons, for land reasons, for religious reasons, for because you kicked my dog, or your dog was in my garden, or whatever. People are at war. It seems to be kind of the nature of mankind. And we even are at war with our God. But there will be a day, and it will be in the millennial reign of Jesus, when we will know peace. And the city gates will not have to be shut at night, because there will be really no threat, because uh, the Lord, the Prince of Peace will be ruling. And so it says, come, verse 5, house of Jacob, and let us walk In the light of the Lord. This really echoes verse 3 when they say, uh, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. You might want to connect verse 3 with verse 5. The house of Jacob, come house of Jacob, they're called now. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In light of the fact that God is going to set up the future and Jerusalem is going to be the hub of all this beauty and majesty, why not walk in it now? Why not Uh, walk in the reality. Why not walk in a manner now worthy of the calling with which we've been called? Uh, There are lots of application verses. Um, 
If you look at verse five, it says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We think of God's word being a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, but we also know that the church is to shine for Christ. Uh, Jesus said, let your uh, light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In Ephesians 5.8, it says, we are children of light. Let us walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is all goodness and righteousness. There's a fruit that comes from walking in the light. 1 John 1 tells us to walk in the light as he is in the light, because God is light, right? And the blood of Jesus, his son, will continually cleanse us from all sin. So the application for us tonight is to walk in the light of the Lord and in the light of what is coming. So many people are living for the temporary. This life will end one day. And part of the church's mission is to shine the brilliant light of God and to tell people there's a future coming, there's a city coming where you will not even need a lamp, you won't even need the sun because the Lord will be the light of that city. And his people are the light, a city set upon a hill, right, that cannot be hidden. You don't light a lamp and then put a a basket over it, do you? You let the light shine that people can benefit from it. And the, the idea of Israel of old was that they would be a light to the Gentiles. And that's the exhortation here. And the, the exhortation for the church is that we would be a light to those around us. But there's a problem, verse 6. Thou hast abandoned or forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because, keyword, you might want to underscore it, they are filled with influences from the east. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. And they strike bargains. The idea is they clasp hands. It suggests political alliances with the children of foreigners. I'm going to read a few more verses. We'll come back and break them down. Their land has also been filled. I want you to look for the word full or filled because you're going to see it several times in these verses. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. I think the modern way to say the Hebrew is cars there. (laughs) Their land has also been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. So if you look at verse 6, there's a a change that happens now. There's an exhortation in verse 5, let's walk in the light of the Lord. But the problem is they didn't, and so the Lord has abandoned his people, rejected his people. But there's a reason, because they are filled. But what are they filled with? They're filled with influences from the east. You might want to underline that, because I think that's a very modern idea. Um. I could say more about that, but I'll save it. And they are soothsayers. What's a soothsayer? A soothsayer is a diviner. What's a diviner? One who practices divination. What is divination? It is a person who tries to acquire knowledge of the past, present, or future. The occluded, that which is veiled by means of different things. It could be by means of the stars. It could be by by means of the Ouija board. It could be by means of a medium. Whatever their vehicle may be, whether it's scrying or palm reading or 
whatever, a crystal ball or whatever, this was part of the practices of the pagans in the East. They wanted to divine the past, the present, and I think especially what's intriguing to people is to know something of the future. And so they would go to these people, much like uh, Saul did with the witch of Endor, to try to find out secret information, to try to find out what was going on. And, he, and God um, basically said, this is an abomination to me. I don't want you to do these things. I don't want you to practice what these people practice. So here's why God abandoned his people. They would not walk in his light, verse 5. They filled themselves with influences from the east, occult divination and fortune-telling. Look at the uh, end of verse 6. They struck bargains with children of foreigners and the idea of clasping of hands, I mentioned, is political alliances. So they were into the occult. They were into unwise political alliances. We'll keep going in verse 7. Their land had been filled with silver and gold. They were uh, totally enveloped with materialism. There was no end to their treasures. There was more and more and more and more. The land was filled with it. Their land was filled with horses. No end to their chariots. And their land was filled with idols. They worshiped the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. So I got five things in my notes. They were filled with the occult, unwise political allegiances, love of wealth and material possessions, verse 7. Idols that they had made with their own hands, they were enamored with and even worshiped. And verse, the final idea in verse 9 is that, so the common man has been humbled, and this connects to verse 8, humbling himself before his idol, and the man of importance has been abased And then Isaiah says, in light of this, get this, do not forgive them. Wow. It's almost as if Isaiah is saying, in light of that list that I just read, Lord, don't forgive them. They've got too much light. They knew better. You warned them and they wouldn't listen. And so here's what they do. They fill themselves up with all this stuff. They've stuffed themselves you, know, you guys know what it feels to stuff yourself, don't you? I know, I know. We always say, I'm not going to do it this year. Not going to do it. But then you stuff it. Right? No room. Here's the idea. No room for anything else. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be ye kept being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you're filled with everything else, occult influences, uh, unwise political um, associations, idols, possessions, you've got no room for me. That's what God is saying. You've got no room for me. And this is kind of a typical American problem, isn't it? I mean, a lot of us, we're we're running the rat race, you know? And The rat race is tough, and some of you are in tough positions, and you fight the 91 freeway, and someone said, the thing about the rat race that is really revealing is that even if you're winning the race, you're still a rat. (laughs) And so we've got all these things, influences from the East, unwise political associations, possessions and material things that we're trying to keep up with and pay for, right? Right? And then we've got the idols, and then we've got all this stuff. And finally, man, we're so full, all we can do is fall down. we got nothing left to give. God says, you, 
you've basically crowded me out of your life. This nation was founded on a covenant. You remember? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%, and because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And so, we've got all these things, influences from the East, unwise political associations, possessions and material things that we're trying to keep up with and pay for, right? And then we've got the idols, and then we've got all this stuff, and finally, man, we're so full, all we can do is fall down. we got nothing left to give. And God says, you, you've basically crowded me out of your life. This nation was founded on a covenant. Do you remember? There was a guy named Abraham, and I pulled him out of a pagan land. And I, and I started something beautiful. And then came Isaac, the son of promise. And then came Jacob. And Jacob was renamed Israel. And he had 12 sons. And from that family line would come the light of the world. I want you to remember who you are. I'm going to fast forward you into the future to give you a look. To let you know what your destiny is so that you can live for me now. Because so many things have crowded me out of your life. And I know every one of us can park there for a while and say, Lord, there's some work I got to do there. The idea of idolatry and those idols, Jonah 2.8, when Jonah was having his experience with the Lord, he says, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. The Hebrew is kesed. It's the idea of their loyal love or their covenant loyalty. He says, those who regard vain idols, he uses a, the idea of, Idols being vapor or lying vanities. They 
They can't produce the things that we fill ourselves with over and over again. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink that water, you're going to thirst again and again and again. See, this is part of the deception. We, we do something and we experience it and we think, oh, there's no greater experience than this. But the problem with humanity is that we have to keep trying to achieve that same high over and over again, and we can't do it. There's only one thing that will satisfy. It's the glory of the Lord. You, will, you were made to be satisfied in basking in the glory of the Lord. And so when you don't have it or you're filled with other things that push him away, you end up empty even if you've got a bunch of stuff and people around you. And so the common man, verse 9, has been humbled. The man of importance has been abased. But do not forgive them. If you have a New King James, it says, people bow down. Each man humbles himself. Therefore, do not forgive them. And then the prophetic look, I told you that Isaiah saw, verse 1, the prophetic look now leaps forward into the day of the Lord that precedes the millennium. That's the thousand-year reign of Christ. What will precede the reign of Christ is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the time that God will judge unrepentant man for his sin. So we get fast-forwarded, and I'll read through these verses, and we'll go back and look at it, but you're going to see some very familiar stuff. Enter the rock and hide in the dust, 10. Dust symbolizes humility, and we were made from the dust of the ground by the Lord. From the terror of the Lord... And from the splendor of his majesty, the proud look of man, and you're going to see a theme of man's pride all through here. A proud look is a manifestation of what? A proud heart. The proud look of man will be abased. The loftiness of man will be humbled, 11. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is what? Proud and lofty. And against everyone who is lifted up that he may be abased. And it will be against the cedars of Lebanon, part of creation here, that are lofty and lifted up. Against all the oaks of Bashan, here the exalted things of creation and even things made by humanity. Notice the flow. Against all the lofty mountains, against all the hills that are lifted up. Remember the high places. Against every high tower and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful crafts. Human pride has made all these things, the walls, the towers, the uh, ships, the large ocean-going vessels, prized objects. But when the day of the Lord comes, what will happen? To all the prized objects of man, to, to man who has ignored God and filled himself up with all the material stuff, what will happen to all his prized possessions, his, his boats that are pulled on into the dock, his, his cars, all that stuff. What's going to happen on the day of the Lord? The Lord will judge by what? Fire. John, I like that. Bye-bye. <laughs> and the pride of man will be humbled. And the loftiness of men, 17, will be abased. And the Lord alone, notice the repetition, will be exalted in that day. But the idols, those worthless things, vain idols, will completely vanish. And men will go into caves on the day of the Lord of the rocks and into holes of the ground before the terror of the Lord and before the splendor of his majesty 
when he arises to make the earth tremble. Did you feel the mountains tremble? And in that day, notice what the men will do with their idols. Men will cast to the moles, the NIV says to the rodents, and the bats. I would imagine they're doing this in the caves where they're hiding. Their idols of silver and their idols of gold which they have made for themselves to worship. It appears that when they go into the caves from the glory and splendor of the Lord, they will take their idols and give it to whoever the rat is. (laughs) Here, take this. He's really holy. Please let a rock fall on me right now and hide me from the face of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? And notice in order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty, that's the revelation of his glory, when he arises to make the earth tremble. Now hold your finger in Isaiah and go to Revelation 6. John is giving us the sixth seal of Daniel's 70th week. He begins to show us what will take place in the sixth seal preceding the seventh seal, which, by the way, is the day of the Lord, at least in my view. And here's what he says in verse 12, Matthew 6, 12. Excuse me, Revelation. Too much information in the brain, sorry. Revelation 6, 12. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the what? Wrath of the Lamb. There will be a day when Jesus comes back to judge. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You've been listening to Seeing with a Prophetic Eye, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 2. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, Isaiah 2.4 brings up an interesting thing. If weapons are going to be basically gone, what about weapons today? Is this a proof text that we should not have weapons? Uh, I don't think so. I think the imagery here is that their weapons, you know, being turned into plowshares has the idea of a time when there will be peace. We are not at that time. We are not um, there yet, brethren. And even in Jesus' time, you know, the disciples had some swords, and uh, he didn't tell them, don't carry the swords. He did tell Peter, put your sword away in the garden. But the point is simply this. If, if someone does have a weapon, 
you know, I know it's a very controversial topic in our day, but it, it should be for self-defense and you should know how to use it and why you have it. And uh, that's the responsible use of any kind of self-protection. But no, Isaiah 2.4 is not saying that you can't have weapons to defend your home. Um, in fact, I, I would argue that you know, defending and protecting what God has given to you is part of your responsibility, especially as a man. Um, and I would say the Bible does not argue against it, but it would always be only if you have to defend yourself. So that would be my take on Isaiah chapter 2, uh, around verse 4. Well, speaking of, you know, how we best protect and defend is we've got, we need to build up our faith. Uh, because there's another level of protection that we provide as we lead in any area, and that is we need to protect spiritually. We need to uh, build up a sound doctrine. We have a Wednesday night service where we're uh, going through right now an Advent series, and we'd love for you to join us. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, this happens at 7 p.m. each Wednesday night. It's a midweek service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. We're at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Hey, if you have questions about the service or want to know more, go to walkintruth.com or remember, you can always call 844-48-TRUTH if you have any questions or need prayer. 844-48-TRUTH. God bless you and Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter two called Seeing with a Prophetic Eye. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.